Welcome to the Love That Journey For Us podcast, where I bring you conversations with everyday people, sharing their experiences and journeys to normalize feeling what you feel and getting past the hard shit. Each week, I'll either have a conversation with someone dope, a mantra to get you through your day, or a personal testament of some real life shit. So take a seat, grab some tea or a drink, and let's get into this week's episode. Today, we have one of my airmen from my military days, Joe Jenkins, on the podcast. He's sharing his journey on what brought him into the military, being a husband and a father of three, and how he prioritizes himself without losing sight of what's important, all while changing the culture around the mental health stigma within the military. He's currently deployed, so please bear with some of the audio in this episode. It's a lengthy one, but needless to say, there are so many pockets of wisdom. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome. I'm so excited for you to be here. I'm more excited. I promise you I am. This is Joe Jenkins. What's up, everybody? What's up? We met in England in 2014. That's when I got there. 2014. Yeah. Yeah. It was right before I left for my deployment. Yes. You left me high and dry. I did. I did. It was a good time, though. It was a good time. We had some good memories out there. Yo, good memories with good people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our crew was definitely one of the best. All all the boys and then me. You guys were all my little troops. You had El Presidente. Well, I call it El Presidente. You had Flemings with you. (laughs) So, I mean, it was you, Flemings, me, Carmona, and Ewan. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Rose. We had a solid squad for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely did. Um, so this is gonna be really chill, really easy. Just tell the people who you are. Okay. So uh, as she said, I'm Joe Jenkins. Uh um, I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh currently uh in the military and I am stationed in Nellis. Don't know how that worked out, but you know I'm <laughs> <laughs> back home. I'm back home. Uh, yeah. I am married to my beautiful wife, Mariah, uh, and I have three children. There's Gabriella, who's my oldest, uh, Joseph the third, my son, he's four. Uh, a and third. Then we have a baby. Yes, of course, I had to. <laughs> then when there's my baby, Aria. She just Aww. turned two. So uh, married man, beautiful family. Uh, I play ball. I'm a motivational speaker. Yes. Entrepreneur, working on my clothing line. Yes. Age trader. Uh, and then a promoter. So my hands are in the pot almost everywhere. Literally everywhere. He does not sit down. He does not stop. Ever since I met him, he's just been go, go, go with all these goals and aspirations. And it's it's nice to be on the outside to actually see you pursuing some of these things right now. So what made you want to not necessarily have your hands in a bunch of different pots, but like what leads your passions? So um the best way I can explain it to people, uh, my mother, well, personally, my family uh, always kind of motivates me to do whatever I do. Uh, outside of that, my mother, she did this for all the kids. Uh, you know, I'm a PK kid. For those who don't know, I'm a PK kid. But my mother gave all the kids in the family a Bible verse uh, that we all walk with. And she gave me Colossians 3.23. And it says, and whatever you do, do it with all your heart as if you're doing it for God and not for man. Uh, I keep that beside me because the way I see it, 
when I do things for God, I usually give my best because I don't mm-hmm. I would never give him half ass me. Yeah. So I give him my best. And when I fall short in any area, I know God is always gonna put his hands out and catch me, pick me back up and say, keep going. Versus mm-hmm. when I do that for man and I fall short, man is very quick just opening hands up and just let me go. Yeah. Let me fall to my yeah. doom. So uh doing what I do now, that's what I do it for. I I do everything as if I'm doing it for God. Cause you know, if I fall short, I'll be okay. If yeah. I do it for man to fall short. Yeah. yeah Sometimes people don't always have your back or best interest at heart. So they say they do up until, you know, you they don't need short. you anymore. Then they kick it to the curb. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I I that's that's what's been keeping me uh on the up and up. Mm-hmm. That's what motivates me to do what I do now as far as uh especially with my motivational speaking. Mm-hmm. I, I that's what gets me through right now. Sure. So what got you into motivational speaking? Like, was there a certain point in your life where you had like this epiphany or you were always that kid trying to get other kids together and talk to them and give them advice? Like what led you to that path? Okay. So there's a couple of things that, that got me to doing this. So uh, one is my father, my father's a preacher and mm-hmm. seeing how my dad controls the room when he preaches even when he's not preaching when he's just trying to teach you something seeing how he controls the room always intrigued me because it's like every time he talked people's attention is just yeah. direct on him every time mm-hmm. um and i i like seeing people just zone out on everything else they push everything to the side and they just focus in on what he's saying yeah. so seeing my dad being able to do that is a part of it. Uh, but then I listen to people like Les Brown, uh, E.T., mm-hmm. uh, Zig Ziglar, just listen to other motivational speakers and seeing what they've done in other people's lives as far as changing them for the better. Mm-hmm. That's what really got me doing motivational speaking because I, for myself, I know people tend to come to me. I'm pretty open uh, to people and I'm very good at just listening and sitting back and then giving advice. And just for me doing that for so long, I was like, no way, mm-hmm. I can't just keep doing this with one person. I need yeah. to be able to do this for a lot more people than just the one I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I'm to the point where uh, I'm shooting videos whenever I get a chance to, to just uplift everybody around. Definitely. Yeah. I see you I on Instagram. Home. Yeah, I'm doing little, 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 <laughs> little, little things here and there. Definitely. Know. Definitely. So you say that you are a motivational speaker and you mm-hmm. have your own clothing line or working on it. And you've also played basketball, but what led you to the military? If you had all those other avenues that you could have pursued? Oh man, that's a question. Oh boy. <laughs> what led me to the military? Okay. So uh, yeah. I did a year of college, mm-hmm. right? Out of high school, went straight to college, uh, mm-hmm. started playing ball and I was a red shirt. I went home for a tournament and tore my ACL and lost everything. No. So when I went back home, mm-hmm. uh, I was working at Tours of Us for like <laughs> about uh, two years. Wait, wait we need a moment. We need a moment because there's about to be an entire generation of kids who do not who know, what, know what Toys R Us yeah. is. Yo, it was I the best toy store you could ever go to. Have ever been into a Toys R Us like in their life? My sister's about to be twenty. And they were like starting oh, wow. to like pickle out around maybe like high school was like the last time I actually like 
remember seeing a Toys R Us? I left Toys R Us in 2013. Holy shit. Yeah. And, uh, that makes me really sad. <laughs> Jeffrey Dude, the Giraffe. Kids, kids these days will never, ever know. The fact that you actually remember the mascot is incredible. I love giraffes. People used to say that I was like a giraffe because I had like a really long skinny neck. So, you know, some. We won't. We, that's not important. Yeah. We're not going to go there. You know, <laughs> we won't go over that. No, okay, uh, so you were working at Toys R Us and then. Yes. And my dad kept making this joke about like, because during Christmas time, we worked mad hours. Even oh, on I Christmas Eve, I, I was in there just slaving away and I was always okay with it because I love seeing people happy. I love seeing people mm-hmm. get toys for their kids. I enjoy yeah. that personally. But my dad kept making this joke about me being Santa's little elf. <laughs> and it was like, he's like, oh, you going back to be an elf again, huh? Oh, okay. You going to keep being an elf? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Next, next Christmas, the second time, this is the second Christmas that came around. Still an elf, huh? Hmm. And he would say stuff like that would just make me like, it wouldn't make Thanks. me mad, but it'll make me think every time he said yeah. it. Uh, but he was equating me being an elf to the movie Elf. True like, oh, story, I've never that- seen it. I've never seen Elf. I know, I just turned into a Christmas person. I'm typically a Halloween girl, like Hocus Pocus, Halloween Town, all of those. Um, I just got into um, Christmas last year. So I know. Yeah, so this, this Christmas coming up, Elf needs to be on your to-do list to watch. Like, you know, you got to watch this. Uh, That's with Will Ferrell, right? You, yeah. So then you'll understand okay. why he was calling me Elf so much. Okay. 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 <laughs> but uh, okay. that got to me. And he was like, mm-hmm. all right, so the next summer came around. He's like, so what you going to do? Because I don't mind you staying here, but you're a young man. And I didn't raise you to be, yeah. be this. Like, you had so much more potential. You screwed around in school, which I did. Uh, yeah. Outside of me getting hurt. It was, I was my, it was my freshman year of college and yeah. I can't lie to nobody. I was playing ball. I didn't care. Yeah. So how old were you at that point? 19. 19. Okay. 19, I have a, probably. I have a, I have a side question. Cause I was 19 when I joined the military too. Do so okay. you think that, um, given today that a 19 mm-hmm. year old knows exactly what they want to do with their life at that given Not in the slightest bit. Uh, I joined the military at 21 mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm glad I did. I, I'm glad I joined later because yeah. I kind of, I've seen, I'm not going to say I've seen the whole world for what it is, but my mm-hmm. mentality by then had kind of grown. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just being, going through everything I've been through is it just grown. Um, I don't think a 19 year old, 18, 17 year old joined the military doesn't really get to experience life as a whole. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause like right now, the one thing I despise the most is when I have a young person sitting in front of me and I, you know, I genuinely ask everybody, how are you doing? What's going on? Yeah. And based on the answers, you know, lets me know where they're at mentally. Right. And the one answer I can't stand hearing them say is I'm living the dream. And I'm like, like in the military, I'm, they tell you that in the mil- like they, you've had troops tell to, you that they're living the, the dream. They tell me, they tell me that, that makes me maybe. so sad. And they're like, that makes me so sad. I'm, li- I'm, you know, I'm good, sir. I'm living the dream. You know, I'm, I'm living it. And I just mm-hmm. look at them like, I, now granted, I'm not going to take away from, I'm not saying the military is all bad, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to take away from anybody who's actually like, who had aspirations to join the military and they're doing that. So we won't yeah. go there. Yeah. Uh, but I know for a fact, no, like right now I'm deployed. I know for a fact 
the 16, not 16, but the 17, 18 year old didn't join, uh, wake up in the morning to say, you know what? I'm going to go deploy overseas and fight for my country. And, you know, I'm going to get shot at and have bombs going over my head at six o'clock in the morning and have to put on chemical gear to protect myself. Yep. That was my dream. No, no. Okay. And no, I, uh, I think that no, especially joining really young, I mean, I didn't, I joined straight out of high school, but I had like a year to work at Subway. Um, but I don't think, like you said, you don't really understand and know what you want out of life because you're still a kid. You've had somebody tell you what to do your entire life. And nope. then you join the military and that was a structure that you knew prior to the military. And now you join the military. And like you said, it's not all bad. It's not, it's not the end all be all either. Um, but with being such a young person and being so influential, I think they get caught up in the complacency of the military where they forget yes. that they, they have their own ideas. They have their own thoughts. They can dream outside of the military and one of my biggest issues with being in because I joined knowing I wasn't going to do 20. I joined because I didn't have money for school and I wanted to travel. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to get my entire GI bill, take some classes while I was in as well. And I got to be stationed in England for four and a half years. So that was, that was a plus, but I never lost sight of, okay, this is a stepping stone for me. Mm -hmm. And I want more than this for myself. And I think once you get in, they try to break that spirit down. And if you get stuck with shitty leadership, which mm, let's be honest, happens. England had a lot of <laughs> shitty leadership. Um, you get did. hit with the guilt trip of, oh, so you're just joining to use the military. Because when I got out, there was a certain senior NCO who said he would do everything in his power to keep me in and not transfer me over to the guard. And then I got to yeah. the guard and I did one year with them. And I still remember to this day, I was out processing because you can't, it's not like quitting a job. You don't put your two weeks in and then, yeah, you and then can't, you're done you, for, for everybody listening. No, you cannot just walk. You can, no, you also <laughs> can't, you also can't be like, <laughs> I'm sick and not show up. I had a troop do that to me. And I just like laughed. I was like, sweetie we're not we're not in the real world anymore like you're in a a concrete <laughs> bubble like you can't just not show up to work right you, um, you, you will be here yeah but I had I had to out process and my first sergeant who was supposed to be the one in the unit that takes care of you that looks out for you when you're going through things right. they're they're like your quote-unquote counselor but that's that's not 90% of them are not, are not like that. Um, and he looked at me and said, I'm reluctant to sign your paperwork because all you did was come into the military and use it. How dare you? And I wanted to be like, bro, I have more active duty time than you do guard or anything. Have you ever deployed? We don't even have aircraft at this base and we're supply. Like, just like uh, hearing somebody ugh. say that, just, uh, it killed me. And then I went into contracting afterwards mm. um, and did it for the army side as a civilian. And there was one girl that I got really close with overseas and she was debating on if she wanted to stay in or not. And her supervisor was like, you don't have anything going on for you. Like, why would you get out? 
Like you really think you're going to make a living outside of the military, outside of what you're doing. So for somebody who doesn't have a strong mindset or doesn't know exactly what they want and they just want to do their four years and get out, hearing something like that is going to make them doubt themselves and it's going to make them not want to pursue their dreams because they, they think they're going to be a fucking failure. And that is my problem with the military as well as them saying that they're there for you, for your family. But when in all reality, they just treat us like a number on a roster. So my father always taught me because I'm a military brat. My, my pops and mom were in the military. Um, but my dad always taught me so ever since I joined, son, you better learn how to play the game. The military is going to use you. You better use the military. Yes. And that's, and that's what yes. I've been doing. And that's what I teach all my airmen now. It's like, for me, like right currently, I have like 105 days of leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody's like, you don't take leave? No, nah, I don't. It's part of the game. See what I end up doing right before, you know, end of military year, fiscal year uh, in October. Before mm-hmm. that day comes, I from, I'm going to say from June going up to October, I take every Thursday and Friday off. Oh, what a hack. And, and, and they can't tell me no because it's use or lose. Oh. but when October hits, I automatically start with third days of use lose because my leave never goes below 60. Yeah. So the whole point is learn how to use the military. They're going to do everything they can to use you. They're going to, you know, send oh you whatever. God. They're going to yes. do everything with you. Yes. You have yes. to learn how to use them. So Whew. I manipulate the system as much as I can, period. Like, Whew. I wish somebody would try to tell me, oh, no, you can't. Okay, well, you're either going to pay me for my leave, which is 100, that's 105 days, right? You're going to pay me for all 105 days or you're going to let me take this leave? Yep. And I'm not going to be the person. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that's something that is so, it's so precious in the military is our free time. Mm -hmm. Like, I I also never understood why, like, if there's nothing going on, why are you going to make everybody sit there? One of my favorite memories of working storage and issue with you is when I would have everybody do like a rock, paper, scissors tournament on Fridays <laughs> and I would write everybody's name on the board. And then the top two winners that be everybody got to go home at lunch. And then the rest got to leave at three. Like there's no point in making you stay forever. That, but like doing stuff like that for people, like we enjoyed the job that much more when we got to yes. do those small things like that. Yes. Well, if it was just like, if we, if, and it wasn't just you, right? So, you know, if leadership just made us work, 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 and not let us live, like, yeah. that would have been miserable. And, like, yeah. we're, people don't get it. We were living in England. And not many people can say that. But I was in England for five years. Yes. Five long years I lived in My England. My biggest flex, honestly. My biggest flex. I lived in England. That's a huge flex. You feel like, me? Like, I'm and going back. That made it better. I'm, I'm, I'm going back. Oh, you have no idea. I'm ending, going back to, <laughs> to I'm ending up there for the rest of my days in about like 10 to 15 years. I'm leaving America. Like, peace. I'm going to go hang out with the queen and go eat Nando. Um, you can go to England. I plan on moving back to Guam or Japan um, or having a house built in one of the both areas, really. Uh, Guam is like my, my little hideaway I want to get to real bad. How I feel about London. If I go back to London, that's trouble for me. So (laughs) I'm married now, so I have no reason to go back. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so you got married while in the military. 
How is that experience and that dynamic with being dual military? Because you and and her are both active duty, correct? Yes, we're both active duty. Um, How does that play into the amount of work that you have to do or with being gone from her and your kids? Like how does how does all of that affect you, your emotions and your mental health? Um in the very beginning, like Outside, you know, like we had our hiccups uh, for things mm-hmm. I've done. Never ashamed to say it. I'm ashamed of what I've done, but never ashamed to say it. We had our hiccups. So that by itself um, and living overseas and not having family, like having family to call us is one thing, but having family in your back, you know, your back pocket is different. Yeah. Yeah, so the first half sure. of it was definitely a struggle because I think like we're younger folks, like when you get married, if you really haven't got to know the person or live with the person, and then when you start to do those things, you know, yeah. it, people, I've seen people get divorced over the fact that a person don't, a person takes a toothpaste and instead of just rolling it up and getting the last bit out of it, they throw it away. Because we're adults at such a young age <laughs> and we know exactly what we want out of life. So then exactly. we get with another person who also thinks they're an adult and knows exactly what they want out of their life. Then you're never taught to ha- how to communicate properly or mm, how to express your feelings. And then all of a sudden you're, you're two individuals trying to make all the pieces fit to two different yes. puzzles. Oh man. So uh, for us right now, um, well, both of us being active duty, uh, the struggle mm-hmm. right now is we moved back to Vegas uh, in 2019. And just last year, uh, my wife was deployed. Mm-hmm. Right, she was gone and she was gone from September up to May. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time she's been away from home that long yeah and dealing with the kids by myself I'm not gonna say it's a man or woman thing but it was it wasn't that my life was easier without her being home it just forced me to put myself into a routine where it was you know wake up get the kids ready take them to school I go to work and before I pick the kids up after work I go to the gym and get my me time in because I know when I got home you're a dad yeah there was no you don't get the opportunity to just put the kids in the closet and then all right cool freedom that's not a thing um so doing that portion of it without her um not saying it was easy but it just forced me to to be Mm -hmm. dad full-time yeah but now the shoes on the other foot we basically high-fived each other uh I just left I'm I'm gone now yeah now she's at home so um it puts a bind on it does put for anybody listening it does put a bind on your marriage because it's going to be almost like a year and a half that me and her have not been together. Things change, oh right? Yeah. Um, and you change. not to say like you change. I want to say like the yeah. person, each individual changes because when you're away from your spouse for so long, it's like when you finally get a chance to come back to each other, it's like, it's not that you're saying, oh, who's this new person? But thing, this person might pick up a new habit that you're not used to. We've been together now yeah. for seven years. And yeah. I know me, so I'm not going to talk about her. I know me. Yeah. I'm going to be like right now I'm in a full two. I'm going back to the gym and I'm doing two days. Yeah. When she met me, I was in the gym for seven days a week. Yeah. And I would not think about it. And once we finally got married and then, you know, I had to start putting my, you know, I'm a married man. I got mm-hmm. kids. I can't just be at the gym all day. Yeah. I went from going to the gym seven days a week to like four. Yeah. Then it dropped down to one. And now that I'm by myself uh, on my deployment, (laughs) 
I'm back to seven days a week, but I'm doing it two times mm-hmm. a day. Yeah. And I just know myself when I get home because I'm getting back in shape and I want to stay in shape. I want my health is very important because the healthier I am, the longer I get to be around for my kids. For sure. When I get back home, I have to remember, I have to remind myself that I'm not, not alone anymore, which is a transition yes. that a lot of people don't understand. Like it's very hard. It's very all hard of us because go that. when you're overseas and you're deployed it's the way that I I saw every time that I was deployed is like my entire world has come down to this robotic bubble Mm -hmm. and then you forget that the rest of the world outside of this is functioning every day and growing and doing their own thing so once you you're in isolation yes you're around people but when you're deployed you're in mental isolation it's just you so you have to figure out how to integrate yourself back into a routine and then when you have a significant other when you have family when you have kids it's like they've created their own routine they've created their own life outside of you and trying to reintegrate those two worlds back together it doesn't always look like a fairy tale ending and people don't realize that so something that we're doing now uh i made sure we did it when she was gone and i'm i'm definitely making sure i'm doing it now that i'm gone uh, mm-hmm. It's not that I think the kids was going to forget about my wife, but uh, I made sure that, you know, when the kids went to school, they called call their mother. Mm-hmm. When, before they go to bed, they call their mother. That mm-hmm. way, every day it's they got into a routine of when we wake up, first person we're going to talk to is mommy. Yeah. Before we go to bed, the last person we're going to talk to is mommy. That yeah. way for her mental mental space, she's getting to see the kids all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not necessarily necessarily that she's gone. But I just yeah. wanted to make sure, like, hey, this is who your mother is. And your mother's doing some hard work right now. Mm-hmm. And I want you guys to, you know, be involved. And yeah. for her, I had to make a point to her that because you're on your own right now, I want you to focus on you. This is, I, this is a great opportunity right now to focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. That don't mean that I don't need you to be a wife and be a mother. It just yeah. means that I want you to take this time to everything that you weren't doing when you were at home with the kids and I was home. Mm-hmm. You get a chance to do that right now. I want you to. Yeah. I want you to change your way of thinking. Take this time and say, you know what? What do I really want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Fill her what, own what, cup. What are some things? Yeah, I want her to fill that up completely. Because I, yeah. even when I'm at home, because being honest, my wife is not the the hustler that I am. Now, yeah. my wife hustles if she wants to, for sure. Mm-hmm. But she's she's not the kind of hustler I am. So even when I'm at home. <laughs> I'm finding ways to put extra money into the table. Yeah, like she will do that if she if she has the the drive to do it within a moment mm-hmm. me my my head I, I will go to a club like part of me doing promoting i was promoting in england and i remember when i found oh yeah when i found out a way to like the hustle uh at hustle mm-hmm. i would show up to the club and everybody would be like yo why aren't you dancing and it's like because i'm to this point now where i'm making money me parting with you is is you know a you know a little side action for me it's like cool i get to see everybody and yeah. i'm having a good time but realistic realistically i was counting money the whole time i was there at the club yeah but that's where my mind is at so everybody mm-hmm. else is coming there to you know get drunk meet new people you know enjoy themselves and don't get me wrong i was i was happy seeing everybody happy but at the same time i was doing business the whole time yeah yeah you knew why you were there yeah 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 and that's where i'm at now like i i know when i go somewhere with her i know when i have to i have to 
take my work hat off. I got to take my business mind off mm-hmm. and say, you know what? I'm here for her. It's supposed to be me and her moment. Let me just give her me. Yeah. Because if I don't, and she knows this, if I, if I, if it's not one of the moments and we got other people involved, for the record, so everybody here, I'm a hustler at all times. If yeah. there's any way I can put food on my table and put extra, uh, away from my kids, I'm doing it. Yeah. And at I least you're honest with yourself. But yeah. that's just me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely. Uh, so what has been one of the most difficult and most rewarding parts about being gone right now and like working on yourself? Oh, difficult thing um, is making sure um, my wife understands that I, like I said, because we've been through so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so making sure my wife understands that, you know, even though we, we're going through things, that even away, I'm going to do my hardest to make sure that she sees my effort. Mm-hmm. Um, for my kids, it's missing the important thing. So like, Ooh. as soon as I left, I left uh, July like 14th. My daughter's birthday was July 18th. So I missed her second birthday. Yeah. Um, Gabby, the oldest one, she started first grade uh, last week and I missed day one, right? Yeah. Um, while I'm gone, I'm gonna be missing the other two's birthday, both November uh, birthdays. I missed that Christmas. This will be the first Christmas and Thanksgiving. I, I'm not home. So yeah. difficult wise, it's you want to be there so bad. So, you know, doing mm-hmm. a phone call, Zoom, you know, whatever you got to do to be there in the moments, you try that, but it's not the same as actually being there. Yeah. So those kind of things are definitely tough because um, you is whether people think so or not, not want to be forgotten is a real thing. Oh, for sure. Uh, not to say people ain't thinking about you, not to say people don't care about you even if you talk to people every single day, not, mm-hmm. not being forgotten is an illness. Yeah. Because what you end up doing to yourself, the, the one day you miss a phone call, the one day someone doesn't call you, uh, it's almost like, damn, they forget about me. Did they, uh, are they, did yeah. they get that busy that they didn't, they couldn't call me or text me. And let's be real. Like people are busy and it's not yeah. that they forgot about you. But they might have just been busy for the day, but because life you're keeps alone, keeps going when you're gone. Like life literally gone. keeps going when you're gone. That's why they say uh, mail days. Oh my god, when you get a package and you're deployed, that is it's like everything. Christmas. It yes. is like Christmas. Just the fact that somebody took the time out of their day to send you something as simple as like I don't know, like a crystal light packet or. Uh, some markers we had um one of our bag of gummy bears yes one of our uh civilians in england lisa the sweetest angel whenever any one of us was deployed she would get together a huge box and have people stuff it with so much stuff like make us custom cards she knew exactly what we liked and she would send it oh my gosh it just makes her so much same same she was an angel an angel oh man before i go off go off on a tangent uh i remember (laughs) so for people who don't know so miss lisa she's a a british civilian that we work with in england and one thing that made me learn my job the most is when i messed up she will walk up to you 
tell you what you did and she would slap you on the hand. Yes, yes. Every time, oh. and my hand got slapped quite often <laughs> <laughs> when I first started. But I want to say I miss Lisa, I miss her a lot. Yes. But like I said, so I don't go off on a tangent about her. Um, the positive note of me being away by myself right now, uh, I'm, I'm getting back into finding me. Mm-hmm. I'm getting that chance to uh, control my peace. And Ooh, that is a, that uh, go is a go deep thing. into that. I want to know uh, more. So when I say control my peace, uh, I don't have, and you know, because I'm a family man, so not having my kids around me, yelling, screaming, calling my name every five minutes, daddy, 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 daddy. <laughs> you know, having my wife in the background, Joe, close the cabinet. Joe, do this. <laughs> you know, those small things is like, yeah, those, those things as a, as a husband, they frustrate the hell out of me. I, I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to forget sometimes, but being realistic, yeah. those are things that frustrate me. So not having that in, the, in my background right now is like, cool, I don't have to have nobody yelling at me for any you know mm-hmm. small thing. And then being around new people, it's not that I'm changing for new people at all. Yeah. But people get to see me just be me by myself without my attachments. Mm-hmm. So I get a chance to just breathe. Yeah. And now that I'm just breathing, it's not that I wasn't, I wasn't breathing with my family around me. It's just now that the responsibility of having to do more is gone. Yeah. The only thing I have to focus on right now, like my biggest thing is my health. Mm-hmm. I, uh, when we got married, I was maybe 182 pounds at yeah. best. We've been together and I call it happy weight. Yes. Uh, for those yeah. who don't know what happy weight is, let me explain. <laughs> when you get married, you got kids. It's not just the women who gain weight. Uh, happy weight in its best description is when you're just so happy with your life and you're so content with things going on that you just eat. You don't even pay attention to your weight. No, so I, ain't no. about, I went to from 180 something to 220 pounds. And oh that's the God. heaviest I've ever been. <laughs> right. <laughs> The heaviest I've been. And like I'm only six feet tall, y'all. So I'm not mm-hmm. super, but two, two twenty, uh, and trying to play basketball, I learned very quick that that was bad on my back. Mm-hmm. That was bad on my knees. Uh yeah. so my health, I could start to see was starting to decline. And I'm only 28. Um, I played basketball all my life. So I've always been able to run. Yeah. Now, you I mean, I can do a mile and a half, no problem, but says the man <laughs> who trained me. During my PT test <laughs> on how to run. It's not the same. Yeah. I, when I tell you, uh, I joined running like an 820 mile and a half. And now I run like a solid 10. And father time is catching me pretty good. So now that I'm here, it's like mm-hmm. I'm doing two a days. I haven't done two a days since I was in college playing ball. Yeah, And it feels, it feels so good because the gym for me and playing basketball was that was my time to just, mm-hmm. I block everything out. When I'm playing basketball, I can play for four or five hours and not think about a damn thing. Yeah, It's not that I'm not trying to think about anybody. Yeah. It's not that I'm trying to not think about my problems. You just lose moment, yourself in those moments. I'm gone. You could literally, yeah. you could sit on the sideline. Uh, my son has done that to me at a basketball game. I'll be sitting there and for a moment, my coach will pull me out and I'll sit on the bench and I'm just watching the game. My son will be behind me. Dad, dad. 
daddy, good job. <laughs> and it's not that I don't hear him. I hear, I can hear yeah. him, but I can't hear him. And mm-hmm. Mariah will have to come down out the stands and tap me on the shoulder. Joseph's talking to you. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I will have to pop out of myself because yeah. when I'm in my zone, you're in your zone. I can't, I'm in my yes. zone. I can't yes. hear you. I don't, I don't, it's not that I don't see Honestly, you. Honestly, that's, that's such a beautiful place to be. I get like that when I do hot yoga. It's like yeah. I set my intention and then all of a sudden my body just is floating through the movements. Like I don't, I don't think about anything. It's just me and my breathing. Oh, it's, it's a very euphoric place to be when you can find what can put you in your zone and then do it for hours. Magic, literal and that's, magic. And that's what I'm talking about. Controlling my peace. Like right mm-hmm. now I'm getting a chance to control excuse me, those moments where I can just zone, yeah, zone out. And I don't yes. have to come out of the zone right now. Like when yeah. I was back home, instead of playing four or five hours, I have to, I have to set everything up at a timer. Mm-hmm. So I, if I go Saturday morning to the gym, I go at eight o'clock with everybody else. And I look at my watch and say, cool, it's nine o'clock. I got another hour, maybe hour and a half that I need to go mm-hmm. home and help her with the kids. Yeah. So it's not necessarily, I'm still in the zone in those moments, but my zone is a, has a timer. Yeah. Out here, my zone ain't got no timer. Yeah. I'm in time time doesn't just... exist out there. You forget <laughs> what day of the week it is. Like everything's just one big blur. And then you wake up one morning and they're like, okay, we're transitioning you into tents. You're getting ready to leave. Yep. And I'm, I'm dreading that day too. Definitely yeah. dreading it. Although I am ready to go home, be around my kids, my wife. Um, mm-hmm. That is the positive side of me having this time to myself, um, saving money for the kids, building up. Uh, like I said, I do day trading. So getting this time to sit back and actually do this in full uh, yeah. is a great feeling. Uh, I'm, I'm able to. So I've started my own program in the military called I Got You. Uh, yes. It's to teach other people um, how to control their mental space, um, how to let other people they're around dictate how their emotions work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's now that I'm doing it in this capacity overseas, it, it feels, it feels amazing to have somebody walk up on you and say, I need that. Yeah. It what really made you want to start that? So, um, being a little personal, uh, when me and my wife were in the very beginning of our marriage, we we're going through it. You know, she has some traumas of her own, but she, she says she wanted to go to mental health. Mm-hmm. And me being who I am, I thought that was a bad thing because when you're with somebody, I thought, you know, why do you have to go to mental health when I'm right here? I'm your husband. You should be able to yeah. talk to me. Yeah. You, you, you don't need to go to mental health. And I fought her on it. Mm-hmm. And I felt, you know, hindsight 2020, I feel so dumb because of the fact it's like I, I had to realize that sometimes, and this is what I teach people now, sometimes I'm not a counselor and yeah. I may not be the counselor that she needs. She might need she might need a real a real counselor who can mm-hmm. interpret better than I can because I can interpret just fine, mm-hmm. but it may not be the interpretation that she needs that she needs, and that's the that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I I seen the benefit of her going, and then you know, me just doing my day to day motivating people, I I started seeing within the military. They say this thing that they want to bridge the gap between higher ups and lowest. That is the biggest hunk of bullshit. They preach that every quarter. 
every quarter they're like, we're going to bridge the gap between the seniors and the new enlisted. Like we want them to feel like they can come to us about anything. And the moment, the moment that you try to come to them with something personal, one of two things happens. One, everybody in the squadron knows your business. Everybody. Cause they let it slip to one person. And that one person tells that one person next thing, you know, your, your shit's all over the phone. It's all over Facebook. It's Uh, all over social media. Everybody knows your business. And now you're like, damn, now I'm really going to shut down or two. You go to mental health and you try to get help. And now all of a sudden they're pissed because you have all these appointments that you have to go to. Mm -hmm. They're knocking down what you can and can't do. They're treating you differently. All of a sudden you're, your rating report isn't as bomb as it was last year because all of a sudden now you have these issues and your personal issues are now affecting your, your, your job. And they think that, Oh shit, they're not a robot. I can't control them. I can't tell them to Mm -hmm. shut up in color. See, and that's for me, that's an issue. Um, So for me doing what I do now, uh, trying to get people to understand, like, same thing I had to tell myself. For some young airmen, they think that they, they're, they're supervisors or they're higher ups. That's their counselor. They got to report everything to them. And it's like, mm-hmm. I got to tell them, like, hey, man, some people are not built to be a supervisor, uh, not to be a supervisor, but some people aren't built to be counselors. Yeah. Some people don't have that, that capacity. capacity to take on what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. process it and give you proper feedback. They're not all built like that. No. Oh, no. Having to show them that, Mm -hmm. it's like the best way, the example I give them all the time is, if me personally, if I'm the angry person on base (laughs) and everybody knows it, everybody knows you come see Joe Jenkins, this dude got an attitude no matter what you do. You can tell him good morning and he'll make sure you know it's raining outside. He got a bad attitude. Yeah. If you have a problem in your life, why would you ever come to me? You know I who I am. Yeah. But but that's the problem. See, you're saying that, but what a lot of airmen, they know that and they still somehow think because they have to go to this person. Because they're above them. So they think they they harp chain of command so, so much. So much in the military. And yes, when it comes to work, when it comes to the structure of how something needs to go to address protocol, that kind of stuff, guideline type stuff. But when it comes mm-hmm. to personal personal things no there's no way in hell i'm gonna go to a supervisor who all he does is talk shit and make everybody else do the work like i'm not gonna go to him and be like listen i'm having i'm having an issue um i don't know who to talk to um this is how i feel what do i do and i've known so many people to do that and get backlash so they just hold everything in they do not care what leadership would do like I've started telling my commanders, you know, people I get to have briefings with, um, they do this thing where they tell, you know, someone's committed suicide, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the unfortunate part about military, you know, for some people it does get that tough where they, they off themselves. And in those moments, leadership thinks it's a, a time to tell people, hey, we have an open door policy, come see me. So that's what I've had to start- That's the only time they preach that. But this is the problem with, they, with them doing it. When they tell- when you tell somebody, come see me, if you're having issues, you don't get to determine what somebody's issues are. Yeah. If I have a problem in my life and my problem is, uh, you know, I don't like the way my watches work. They're supposed to work a certain way and they're not working. I can't fix it. 
for you, that may not be a problem and it may sound very simple, but for me, it's an issue. So if mm-hmm. I'm coming to you with my issue, I expect you to treat it as if it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can try to simplify it to me as much as you can, but I'm coming to you with my issue. I ain't come to you yeah. with your issue. I came to you with mine. And so when you tell somebody you have an open door policy, most and you tell them there's an open door policy after a suicide, right? Mm-hmm. What the airman does is they say, you know what, I'm having a problem today. And I don't feel like talking to my supervisor because I don't think he can take care of my situation. I'm going straight to the commander. And when they go to the commander about their situation, they get hemmed up. Why do they get in trouble? Because number one, the commander, the shirt, and everybody else didn't explain to that person what open door policy meant. Yeah. If you'd explain to them what it meant, they know that, you know, there's certain ways to go about their situation. But when you just tell them in a, it's not like you told them open door policy because, uh, you know, I had a bad day. I woke up late and I got in trouble. So open door policy. No, you told them open door policy and then someone died. Yeah. They wait until the very extreme to be reactionary rather than take precautions. Worse of the worst. So, you know, me being able to teach people those small things is important. Uh, I know I talked to you about this. Uh, One thing I'm real adamant about showing people now is the process of the Daytona 500. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned this from my friend Castro. Me and him have been doing this now uh, for about like six, seven months since I met him. But the process yeah. of the Daytona 500, uh, for those who actually know the race, it's a, it's a race that consists of 200 laps, right? Mm-hmm. No car can make it around that track in 200 laps without, without you know, having some kind of issues. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, the car, we're going to translate that to your life, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get to go your whole life without, you know, pitch perfect, no issues. That, that's not how life works, okay? Yeah. But it's not about the race that you're doing. It's about your pit crew. Right. So when you at NASCAR, when they're doing the races, the car pulls over to the side and people are sitting there waiting for the car to get there. And they changing the tire real fast. They're making sure, you know, whistles and lights to make sure everything on the car is working. So Mm -hmm. you the car can get back out there and drive. Yeah. You have to make sure you have the right people in your pit crew. Yeah. Because those people are supposed to be there for you to make sure that, hey, we see you got this going on. Let me coach you up. Let me help you do this. Mm-hmm. That way you can get back in your car and drive. But the only downfall to that is you have to make sure when you don't put the proper people in your pit crew, some people are going to make sure you that your car crashes. Yep. Let's be they're honest. Gonna, yep. They're there to make sure that car crashes mm-hmm. every time. That's what they're there for. Yeah. So what you end up doing, like where I'm at now, people always say, you know, got to have a small circle, got to have a small circle. Okay, your small circle can get you screwed too. Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter how big the circle it is. It's quality of the big people or small, in the circle. It's the quality of the people. Yep. And you have to start paying attention to people's habits when it comes down to you and what you need. If people aren't giving you what you need, they don't need to be there. Yeah. It's, and you can and love, them that you don't love them from afar. Yep. Yeah, you can love people from afar. It don't mean you don't love them. It don't, it don't mean you got to change who you are. It's just for your mental space, if people aren't there to help you grow, mm-hmm. then you let them go. Yes. You yes. Don't let, I, just don't let, I don't let everybody come into my pit group. Mm-hmm. My mother, my father, my wife, uh, and a, a select few people are in my pit crew because those yeah. people I know for a fact, if I'm having one of my days, I can call them at any time and say, hey, mm-hmm. I need some coaching. Hey, I need some mental. I need you to hear me out. I need you to talk to me because right now I'm not at my best. And yeah. they do everything they can to put me back where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I don't got time to be talking to somebody and um, their first their first thing to do is to 
in order to relate to my situation, they start talking about themselves. Oh, sometimes people just need somebody to listen to them. We don't need you to relate to us. We don't need you to give feedback. Sometimes we just need to cry. Sometimes we just need to let it out. I'm an avid believer of this because I'm the type of person that has a really hard time processing my emotions. That's why I write. Mm -hmm. But in the process of going to therapy and doing all that stuff, hearing myself talk about my situation out loud sometimes Mm -hmm. gives me a better perspective than me telling somebody and them immediately like having feedback for me. Sometimes I don't, I need to hear myself speak about it out loud in a Mm -hmm. safe environment in order to step back and be like, well, damn, like now I'm seeing it from an outside perspective. Yes. I'm biased perspective. Hearing myself talk about it. Okay. This is how I need to process this because if I would have processed it in the moment and then you're going to hype me up and make me either more sad, more mad, more angry. Like I'm just going to go on a rage. I'm going to be like, fuck this and fuck everybody else. You end up hurting yourself in the very end. Yes. You hurt your own feelings. And that's, that is something for me that is just like, you got to Like some people, you got to teach that too. Like for the Mm -hmm. military, me doing what I do now, I, my target audience right now is everybody below me. Yeah. And not in the sense of like, you know, where we are in life, but just as far as rent goes, it's everybody yeah. below me because I've seen so many people hurt themselves by not knowing how to control themselves or not knowing yes. how to control their emotions or having the wrong people in their corner. People who say they're in their corner and they're really not in their corner. I've seen so many people fall. I've seen so many people get out the military because they've been trained or they've been shown that ain't no... In lack of better terms, ain't no love in these streets. Ain't no, there is no love here because yeah. at the end of the day, if you leave, it don't matter to them. They got somebody to replace you. That's the culture of the military. You're, you're replaceable. Let's be honest. Yes. You are very replaceable. Yes, you are a line number. That's all, all you are. Yep. And like I said, that's, that's not to say that's the whole military because I'm in the military and that's not how I see people. That's not how I exactly. treat people. So exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm more than positive. I'm 100% positive. But you're sitting Are here more- doing something about it. You're changing the culture. You're giving these airmen a safe space to feel like they can actually be vulnerable and talk about their feelings without, without being reprimanded. Because you mentioned about the whole uh, going straight to the commander for open policy, but mm-hmm. you have to realize you have that supervisor right above you and right under that commander. So now that supervisor is going to get his ass chewed out or her ass chewed out. And now that person's going to start to treat you like shit. So it's a we, spiral. It's a spiral effect. So um, not, to, not to make this long for you know everybody listening. Uh, my goal right now is to change the culture of the Air Force so that it's not granted new generation coming in. Do I think they're a little more hypersensitive to a lot of things? Most definitely. Yeah. Um, we're in the culture now where you can't say anything to everybody. And if you say mm-hmm. the smallest thing, people just you know they touch you about it. That's that's cool. If that's how it is, that's how it is. Life is, mm-hmm. people, you know, the world is changing um, because the world is changing. It's almost like the military ways aren't. Yeah. Military sometimes is still stuck in the old ways. It's uh, mm-hmm. yeah. shut up in color or suck it up. You can take care of this. And these new people coming in, they ain't built like that. Not no. saying everybody's built like that, but you know, not everybody's built that way. Yeah. So you have to be more nurturing to people. Yes. And that's all I want to do. I, I'm trying to get to the point where my, my calling in life for me is to motivate and uplift everybody I'm around in the best yes. way humanly possible. Um, my name, my parents remind me of this all the time. My name, Joseph, means to be an addition to, not to be uh, a minus. 
what it means to be addition. So wherever I go, I'm always trying to be an addition in somebody's life. Whether, you know, that one moment we got to talk, mm-hmm. you know, kept you here. The moment we talked, uh, changed how you looked at your health. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. As long as I know you're doing better, I'm happy. You don't have to give me no credit in the process. I don't, I'm not looking for any kind of credit from nobody. I can care less. Yeah. But just being able to see pro- progress in somebody is an amazing feeling. I I care about people that much that I just, those moments where I was like, no, you're at a low moment. Mm -hmm. I actually had a girl, first time I did this project, I had a young lady and her best friend walk up on me. They pulled me to the side after the course and they told me, well, the person at hand, um, she wouldn't say nothing to me. Her best friend pulled me aside and uh, she's like, Sergeant Jenkins, uh, I got to tell you something. She tried killing herself last night. And I looked at the girl and I said, what's going on? Talk to me. I need you to, you know, we just had this meeting about everything going on. I need you to talk to me. And she's like, I'm mad I woke up this morning. I said, what do you mean? She said, last night I I drunk bleaching pills and tried to kill myself. I'm just, I'm so tired and I I am, I'm mentally drained. I don't want to do this no more. And from that, it was just like, Life, ain't, life is never that bad. I mean, that's not to take away yeah. from anybody's situation, but life is never that bad that you have to do that. So after she told me what happened, you know, I immediately, uh, sometimes you got to put on a military hat, but uh, I told her right in the face, I said, ma'am, you're a green flag. I don't tell people they're red flags when I do these briefings because the red flag has a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. So I call them green flags, letting them know that it's go time. I want to yeah. help you. So I yeah. told her, hey, right to you're a green flag. So first thing we did, uh, I took her right over to mental health, told them what's going on, got her checked in. Uh, I believe she went to a uh, mental facility, just, you know, and not, I'm not saying mental facility like she, you know, she's gone crazy, nothing like that. Yeah. But she went to a mental facility and seeing where she's at now, mm-hmm. complete one lady. Girl, she's oh, with somebody, yeah. she's, uh, she's they're about to have a kid, she's getting married. Oh. And just seeing in that moment, all it took was for me to sit down and talk to her. Yeah. God, Lord, God only knows the day she tried that, she woke up, she seen me. If I had, if I didn't say, and I'm not saying I'm no kind of hero either. I would never put that title on myself. But if I never said anything to her that day, who's to say she wouldn't try it again that night? That, yep. Yep. Who's, who's, she, who's to say she wouldn't try another method? This time, what if she, what if she wouldn't got a gun this time and try to offer herself? Yeah. I, I, I don't want to even be in that kind of position where I could have done something for somebody mm-hmm. and I chose not to. Yeah. I don't ever want to be in that position. So um, after that first day, I seen what it could do for other people. I was like, yep, it's time to put this in full, full yeah. mode. I have to start doing this at a larger capacity. So other people who care as much as I do, I know there's other people who care like I do, but maybe they don't have the maybe they don't have the uh the strength or the mental space to you know step out on their own mm-hmm. and do a program maybe they uh you know they got enough going on in their life where yes they care but they just got so much going on that they just gotta you know i want to take care of you but i can't i gotta take care of myself which is okay too yeah i'm just my my mental space is just built a little different from most where like even though i go through go through certain situations I always tell myself, you know, if it's bad, I give myself a day or two to cry, kick, scream, 
to do feel what you need to, to feel. I need to feel my feelings. I need mm-hmm. to get my emotions out. But see, after those one or two days, my mindset automatically flips to now, now what? Yeah. Because what I don't want to do is stay in a funk. What I don't want to do is keep moving mm-hmm. around. Not to say that that's a problem. Like people, if you're listening, if you're going through something and you need time to heal, take your time to heal. Yeah. I want you to take your time to heal. However long that takes. Now, I'm not saying for you to go heal for a whole month. Not what I'm saying. But if you need time time to heal, properly heal, take time to properly heal. Yeah. Step away from people. You know, stop, stop getting on your phone and looking. Because the news, all they give you is negativity. Yeah. It's very rare that the news says, you know, in today's news, we're going to celebrate outside the Olympics, outside, you know, somebody becoming president. Outside of those things, I'm not saying everything is, is bad thing but most of the time it's it's bad news right Mm -hmm. so get yourself away from all that yes and just take time to just focus on you and heal once you've done that then you go back to okay now what then you can do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) this is real time people this is real time time, y'all i apologize (laughs) oh boy (laughs) Jesus, help me. My allergies are horrible, people. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, you got to take real time to focus on you and then things sure. can happen, right? So um, like I said, I, I've always taught myself like this past year, 20, was this, this was this year. Um, to other people, this is, don't, don't get me wrong, this was bad. Other people, this is, they're going to probably, because I've been asked the question, how am I still functioning? Uh, on my birthday this year, I got, uh, the family made a decision to pull the plug on my grandmother, right? I'm so sorry. And it just so happened the day that they were going to do it happened mm-hmm. to be on my birthday. So my birthday wish was, I just want to have my grandmother for one more day, right? I get off work. I pick my kids up and I'm, I'm talking, I'm booking it to get to catch mm-hmm. up to my parents before they get to the hospital. Yeah. On the way to the hospital, I get in a car crash. I ran to the back oh of a car gosh. doing about 30 and airbag blue i split that in half uh, but i had all three of my kids in the back seat and when i got in that car crash i i can't say whether i did it or i didn't but I, I i felt like i passed out for a second but then i could hear my kids in the background calling me yeah so i got up out the car grabbed all three of the kids got them out luckily they didn't have a scratch on them yeah. they were just scared but I grabbed all the kids and this lady came out of nowhere. She grabbed the kids and said, I got them. And once I see my kids were safe, I collapsed. Oh my Ambulance gosh. came by, they got me. Uh, I had a messed up rib, messed up collarbone, arm was, arm was cut up. And when I finally like, came to, it was like, I'm at the hospital and they're saying, hey, you know, we're going to keep you overnight. And I'm, I'm already mad. Mm-hmm. Nah, y'all need to go ahead and check. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Check my rib, do whatever kind of scan you got to do. But let me go. I, they finally let me go. My sister came and got the kids. Uh, and I'm booking. I'm still trying to get to the hospital. Some shape, form, or fashion, I'm trying to get there. Mm-hmm. So my car's totaled. Someone, you know, somebody in my shop picks me up. They drive me over there. And they already pulled the plug on my grandmother. So uh, I don't really get to say my goodbyes. Yeah. Um, as bad as the situation is, in that moment, the next, well, the next day after everything happened, I was back at work already trying to do, you know, another session with my, my people. 
Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, Joe, why are you at work? You need to go rest. You got to go do this. And it's like, y'all don't get it. See, um, my kids are okay. My kids didn't have, not, when I say not a scratch, my kids yeah. didn't have no bruises, no cuts, no nothing. I'm thankful that didn't happen to them. I'm thankful I walked away with just a couple of scratches and a messed up rib and a collarbone. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, it's the gratitude part. I'm, I'm yes. thankful because at the end of the day, I could be getting buried with my grandmother. My mm-hmm. kids could be getting buried with my grandmother and we didn't. Yeah. I had different plans, so I'm still here. So I take that situation. It's like, I'm still here. My kids mm-hmm. are okay. They're, yeah. you know, scared for a couple of days, a little traumatized of getting in cars, but they're okay. Yeah. I don't take that for granted. And then as far as my grandmother goes, my grandmother was so sick as is, you know, she, she's diabetic, uh, um, cancer. Uh, she has a trait, you name it. And it was like, yeah. I no longer wanted my grandmother to suffer. Mm-hmm. And now that she doesn't have to suffer no more. Yeah. It's not easy letting go of somebody you love, but not mm-hmm. seeing them suffer anymore feels so much better. Oh, I bet. But I, now I get to have my, my day, my birthday. I celebrate my grandmother more than I, myself. Mm-hmm. But that's all I wanted to begin with, though. I wanted to have her for one more day. And God just so allowed it that I had her for one more day. Yeah. So the positive spinoff, that's, that's how I take those kind of situations. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, for somebody else, somebody might be saying, I don't see how you got through that. I don't see how you're mm-hmm. still going back to work. Don't get me wrong. I, I cried. I was frustrated. I was mad that I got into a car accident. I'm mad I risked my kid's life. I was mad at myself for a couple of days. I really was. I was going through it, but I was telling myself at, at, at some point, I got to get back up because yeah. I got three people, whether I realize it or not in those moments, I got three people depending on me. I don't got time to kick back and mope around because as a father, that's not something I'm teaching my kids. Mm-hmm. I'm not teaching my kids to go through a situation and when you're going through it and you feel like it's bad, you got to sit here and you got to let everybody see you cry. Ain't no wrong with crying. You got to let everybody see you, you know, down and out. Ain't no wrong being down and out, but you don't stay there. Yeah. I won't allow my kids to stay in that position. And mm-hmm. if I won't allow them to, the best way to show them is through my, through my walk. Mm-hmm. I got to be the best example for them. Yeah. That way, when they when they get to my age, when they get to where I'm at in life, daddy showed them how to do it. Everybody else going to look at them. I don't know how you guys do this. Your dad did this. But how are you doing it? Well, I had a good teacher. My father yeah. taught me how to do this. Yeah. You're That's allowing them the space to feel their feelings and express how they they feel. But getting right back up and getting back you into know, it. Yeah. But it's not a, it's not just about about you getting up. See, some people think it's. It's about they, they got the saying, you know, you fall down seven times you, or you, you fall down. I, seven, I you never understood eight. that. Never understood that. But it's like it's not about you just getting up because some people get up limping. Mm-hmm. Some people get up and they, they, you know, they cripple. It's about how you get up and how you stand after the fact. It's about how you stand, not just about you getting up. Yeah. You got to be able to stand on your own two feet. You got to be able to stand up straight and be able to walk. It's cool mm-hmm. if you stand up. But what if you can't walk? Yeah. It it don't make really a difference. You might as well lay back down. So while you that's why I say like take that time to rest. Because yeah. if you're down there, you get a chance to breathe sometimes when you're at the bottom. Yeah. Ooh. You're already you're already down there. Yeah. yeah. Lay there, relax, look at the star, look at the your ceiling fan, do whatever, but breathe. Lay down and breathe for a second. That's okay. Mm-hmm. They tell boxers all the time, if you get knocked out, don't immediately try to get back up. 
the person on the side of the ref is already going, are you good? Let's count. One, two. They are counting to 10 before they before you go. So they try to tell boxing before you just, you know, hit the pavement and you just, boom, let me get back up. Or mm-hmm. Cam, excuse me. Take those first five seconds to just regain your thoughts. Before you yes. try to get back up and you get knocked out again, regain your thoughts. The mm-hmm. first five seconds, just let him talk. Just, okay, I got hit. Okay, I got it. You're making up. me want to take like a deep ass breath right now. Let me relax. Yeah. Okay, now it's time to get back up and fight. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to do with your life. Sometimes you will get knocked out and you need to lay down there and let the ref do the count. So what would, to... be, what would be three pieces of advice that you would give somebody that's knocked down right now? Lay down first mm-hmm. and realize that you're on the ground. I want you to lay, I, w- I would like for you to just lay down for a second and realize where you're at. Because if mm-hmm. you get knocked down and you just try to jump back up, most likely if you get up, back up too fast, you'll get hit again. Ooh, yeah. You're not trying to get hit. You're not trying to get continue to get knocked out for no reason. Yeah. So first things first, if you get knocked out, lay there for a second, get your thoughts together. Mm-hmm. Try to figure out why you got knocked out in the first place. Get all that. Where together. is it coming from? Yeah. Where is it coming from? Yeah. And then the the biggest part is, did you cause it? Some people don't don't get the fact that you caused your own knockout. Mm-hmm. It's not always somebody else's fault. You yes. caused your own knockout. Yeah. So you need to, those are things you got to think about. Like, damn, did I do this to myself? Yeah, this is self-inflicted. Maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, no one else touched me. I just kind of, boom, hit myself. And yeah, accountability okay. of it all. Accountability portion. So, you know, definitely take the time to lay there, rest, mm-hmm. and then get up. Uh, second sure. part would definitely be, once you get up, take a look at your surroundings. Once I take a look at your surroundings, look around and see who is still standing there? Oh. Some people, when they get knocked out, the people they say they got their back, you five and stand up. They on the other, they over there with the person that knocked you out, saying, "Oh, oh!" Mm-hmm. They, they on the other side. They not really, yeah. they not still standing there. So I, I will, I will prefer that you, when you stand up, don't don't be so quick to take a step. Mm-hmm. Stand up and look. Say, "Oh, you're still here," and then appreciate who's still standing there with you. Yeah. Don't just see who's there but be appreciative of who's still standing there even in your lowest moments mm-hmm. after you see who's still got your back and you realize where you're at now it's time for you to walk and you can't just because you can't stay there mm-hmm. if you want to live in if people want to live in your past let them live there but you don't live there no more mm-hmm. you have to walk Ooh. those will be my three things for them relax oh, look that. around then move yeah Yes. And the metaphor of it all. I'm, I'm big on metaphors. That was, that was definitely, uh, uh, that's how, that's how I have to teach people. Like I can't just uh, tell people yeah. certain things. Like when I teach class, yeah, I got to give them metaphors. Cause that's for me, that's the best way for people to actually take yes. a lesson and put it together. For, you take for something for that themselves. they know or something that they like, and you put it in terms that they can relate to and understand. Yes. yes. I love that. Oh, yeah. this has been, uh, this has been incredible. Big helper. Oh, this has been incredible. So is this... like, I got nothing but time on my hands. <laughs> so is this program just at your base right now or has it expanded? So um, at Nellis, uh, it was it was just at Nellis. Uh, now that I'm uh, deployed to Kuwait, um, I'm doing it here. Because uh, my goal, my end all 
for the program mm -hmm. is to get it to where it is a, a Air Force mandated program that we send yeah. our airmen to. That Definitely. we send our, uh, our young people. Not that I don't want, I think everybody in the Air Force needs it. So don't get me wrong. I think that the commander need it, chief, senior uh, officers. I think everybody needs the program. Mm -hmm. But I think doing it for our younger people first, because they always say, you know, at some point you're going to be in their position. Well, let's be, let's be real about it. If they're going to be in that position first, or at some point, I'd rather teach them this now, that when they get to that position, they already got the game figured they out. Have they have that they mindset. Have the, yep. They have the tools, the tools to yep. show the next next people coming in. I don't just because the people who are at, uh, at the position they're at now at higher ups, being you realistic, can't change their mind. They got their mind made up. They think about okay. retirement. Yeah, you it's know, not that they don't they, care. They, it's just that they don't feel like they need to anymore. Some people, don't and that's not like everybody. Like that's not everybody. But. Yeah. I'll make that very clear. I've, I've been around leadership who I know they, they've done so much for me. I can't even, you know, I can't count the number of times leadership has came and got me out of a funk. So yeah. I won't say this to everybody. It's just, you know, it's people. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure people on other jobs. Uh, in the oh yeah. It's not world, just the know, military. You're 20, you're 60. And they're just like, you know, I'm not doing this no more. I've done this for 60 years, man. You go get your little, little, yep. uh, young tail out there and do it. I'm out. Yep. They do that. Um, yeah. So I, I'm at the point now where I just want to teach. I'm just trying to get to my younger people first. Mm -hmm. So as they go up in the ranks, they can teach their airmen. And I then they can do that for people on the outside as well. So it's yes. not just a uh, show up and, you know, yes. kumbaya and leave me. Nah, they oh. get homework. Uh, they get all, they get a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. They don't just get to show up, uh, sit there and listen and walk away. Nope. Yeah. I give them uh, quotes that they got to take with them. Because next time I see them, I ask them about the quote, see what it means to them. They mm -hmm. got homework. Yeah, they they get I, a lot of homework. Uh, I love this. A part like and this like there's so much stuff that goes into the program. Mm -hmm. People like it, I'm gonna use notes for example. There's like I'm, I'm ballparking this number. I want to say there's about fifteen thousand people in Nellis. Don't quote mm -hmm. me on that, people. I'm just ballparking yeah. numbers here. So out of the fifteen thousand people that is on Nellis Air Force Base, there is maybe in total. I'm going to say 30, 30 to 40 mental health counselors. Mm -hmm. What would happen if all 15,000 people said we need mental health attention? All 30 of them people can't take care of 15,000. Let's be real. No. They can't. Mm -mm. And what will happen is those people who need help will get put on a calendar. People don't got time to be put on a calendar when you're in trouble. If I'm telling yeah. you I need something, I need it now. I don't got time to be, you don't get a chance to come to me and say, you know what? Um, I see that you're having an issue. I know things are going on and things are kind of tough. Uh, my next appointment is next month. Yeah. So me doing the program I'm doing, I want to be that middle person until this person gets to mental health and sees a professional, comes to me in the meantime. Yes. Okay. You can come sit down and okay. talk to me until you can get to where you're going. Yeah. Come see me. That way it's just not dead space, you know, mm -hmm. in time. In where, between. In between where you're just like, Because you never okay, know what well, could happen. You never know. So oh, I make man. it very available to them. Like, yes, I'm doing it once a month, but the program is open enough to where people can come to my office and they just, hey, I need you. Okay. You're like hey. gap insurance for the military. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Basically. I yeah. love that though, because I feel like a lot of what I went through would have been, no, I don't want to say 
different because I think I would have still gone through those things, but I would have had the resources and the tools to not feel like I was alone in it. And I was that person that would go to that one friend and just literally vent and cry 24 seven. And it would be like, well, just leave or just stop or just, but sometimes that's not what you need to hear. Like I need actionable steps that I can take or resources that I can use in order to get myself out of these situations. And I remember with my um, first marriage at Canon, I came to work in crutches um, and I had a cast on my knee and it was like bruised. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the supervisors uh, made a joke and was like, haha, her husband probably beat her. They didn't fucking know that my husband actually beat me. And that was why I was on crutches. But it was just like that joke. Like, why would I come to you now? Right, you, like, they're not I, I told mm. them that I was mm. clumsy and I like hit my knee on the side of the bed. So you, um, you were hiding issues, but they, why would you want to tell them? If you're going to make jokes like that. You're going to make a joke about That's not even funny to me. Like That's, that's not even close to being funny to me. But if I would have had somewhere to go or someone to talk to that actually had space for me and had Mm -hmm. the mental capacity to sit there and listen to me and just listen and then ask me what I wanted to do about this because there's a difference between getting help and then having somebody tell you exactly what you need to do and getting help and having somebody be like okay these are your options but what do you feel comfortable doing what do you feel like doing um yeah that's something I give to everybody like you know do my form of counseling and mm-hmm. trying to trying to teach people how to work on their mental space. I always check back in and say, you know, I've said a lot to you, but how do you feel? Mm-hmm. I, I know I've I've told you to do some things, but you know, are you even comfortable doing this? Because if you're not, mm-hmm. we might need to go a different different you know yeah. route to get you to this destination. How you get there don't matter as long as you get there. That's what I yeah. care about. Now, um, some people. It's going to take them a little longer to get there. Oh, for sure. That's perfectly that's, fine. Yeah. That's just the nature of matter. the beast. Yeah. How, how you take your steps. I'm six feet tall. You're not six feet tall. I got longer legs than you do. Me and you yeah. walking to the same destination <laughs> ain't going to work out. I'm going to get, yeah. get there probably 30 minutes before you do because I got yeah. longer legs. My stride yeah. is longer. So that's just how it is. But as long as you, as long as you get to the destination, I can look next to me and say, oh, Lala, here you are. I'm glad mm-hmm. you made it. That's what's important to me. Like, yeah, you, you before, yo, everybody, before we got into this podcast, she, she was doing whatever she was doing, and she's rushing to get, get home so we can do this, do this, this interview. And I make it very clear, like, I don't, as much as I want to do the interview, I need you to be okay, drive safe. Yeah. I'm not really concerned about this interview that much. That I'm more concerned about, you know, not, not as concerned about your health. What I'm saying, we need to hurry up. You know, I'm on a time schedule, so if you want to do this interview, hurry mm-hmm. up. No, nah, like, I know you got things going on in your life. I'm pretty free right now. So please take yeah. your time, drive, get to the house, get yourself, get yourself together. Then we can go into doing what mm-hmm. we're doing. As long as you got here, that's what matters to me. Because if you didn't yeah. show up and I'm sitting here blowing up your phone saying, yo, where you at? And you're, you're not picking up my phone call. I'm going to feel some kind of way because I sat here and rushed you to get here. Yeah. Once again, I'm not going to put myself in those kind of positions. I won't. Yep. You have to protect your peace. Yes. Protecting your peace is, uh, is, mm-hmm. is, when I say important, you have to. 
Yeah. If you don't protect your peace, somebody else is going to try to determine what your peace should be. Oh, wait, wait. Can we, can we, can we get that back one more time? One more time. I said, if you don't protect your peace, somebody's going to come around and try to determine what your peace should be. And ladies and gentlemen, on that note, Mr. Joe Jenkins, <laughs> uh, this has been incredible. I'm so glad we got to catch up. I'm so proud I'm of definitely. you. When I met you, you were a baby. And in my mind, everybody is a baby, like, (laughs) and I'm not even that old, but to me, everybody is just younger than me and you're all 12 in my mind. You're definitely Um, not. I'm just like, what, two years older than you. Right. Exactly. But uh, this has been incredible. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you too. You're doing amazing things. Thank you so much. So let everybody know where they can find you. Yo, so uh, I'm not really big on the social media thing, y'all. So bear with me when I try to pull this stuff up just to tell you. Uh, I'm not old, but I'm just, I'm old school. So I'll leave everything <laughs> in, in the show notes as well with links. So Most definitely. Uh, let me see if I can get my stuff up here real quick, people. So if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, it's Joe underscore Junior Jenkins. It's J-O-E underscore J-R-J-E-N. K-I-N-S. Uh, if you tap in on there, I do have a lot of my um, motivational stuff I'm doing on there. Yes. Uh, if you want to follow me on TikTok, it is... You have a TikTok. At, I do. I do a lot of my little videos <laughs> in there as well. Because <laughs> uh, right now, apparently, that's where everybody does videos on TikTok. Yeah. That's how they get yeah. to everybody. Yeah. Uh, for my TikTok, it's Jenkins Smiles 23 There's J-E-N-K-I-N-S. S-M-I-L-E-23, all lowercase. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you. I can't look. Well, if you need me to come back, I'll be more uh, happy to come back. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And honestly, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show is because in last uh, week's episode, when I was talking about like my own journey, I did mention a tidbit about mental health in the military. And I had a mm-hmm. couple of people uh, write me and tell me, how much they needed to hear that like it wasn't just happening to them and I think it's very important that we hit on mental health because it's one of the most incredible and draining parts of your own self journey is understanding your mind understanding your triggers your traumas what makes you tick and knowing ways to navigate the room yeah, and not feel so alone in all of that. So thank you so much for sharing your journey with and, us uh, today. I will tell everybody, uh, as much as I do this for other people, being a, uh, a mental health advocate and mentoring, I too go to mental health. Yes. Just because I'm mentally strong doesn't mean uh, I don't have weak moments. Um, mm-hmm. I go to mental health uh, to make sure what I'm saying to people sometimes, not everybody understands how I talk. Yeah. Some people have to tell me that, Joe, your dad voice is on. I'm a father. So sometimes it's hard for me to turn that voice off. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking to people, they're just like, bro, it sounds like you're talking down to people or, you know, it sounds like you're yeah. delivering somebody. And it's not that it's not, those are not my intentions, but sometimes I don't hear myself talk. So I go to mental health now to make sure, Hey doc, this is what I said to somebody. Does this sound right to you? Did, did this come off a certain way to you when I said it? I'm asking because I have a feeling that this person, because most people don't come back and tell me a lot, but I do yeah. have a feeling 
that, you know, I said something to somebody and it could have hurt them. Mm-hmm. If so, I'm very quick to apologize to somebody for what I say, but I have to analyze sometimes. I have to analyze myself. Mm-hmm. I have to, even for my marriage, um, I have to analyze myself because my, my intentions are never to harm my wife ever. Those are not my intentions. But I know sometimes because of who I am and I'm so strong-minded that I don't see or hear everything I say to her. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I go to mental health myself. Um, yeah. It is very, bene- everybody listening in, it is beneficial. Even the strongest of people need help. Don't, don't yes. think that the strongest people in the world out there are just thriving by themselves. All of us ain't, ain't built like that. I'm yeah. not built that way where I can just do this on my own. I know I can't. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to mental health, I invite, even if your life is good, I'm yeah. going to say go. Even if your life is good, go just, just pop in and just ask some questions. Get a feel for it. You might not like it, but get a feel for it. That person who is actually trained to do that might tell you some things about yourself that you never thought about. Yes. You will be shocked you about what shocked. you learn about yourself in the meantime and the realizations that even come afterwards. It's a lot that goes into it's, it. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. So don't want to hold you, sis. That's no. that's everybody. That's all I wanted to give you. Like I said, if you guys ever want to tap in with me, you got my social media stuff. Yes. Uh, but I'm here for y'all. Uh, I end all my little messages with, uh, if nobody told you today, I'm glad I'm the first person that gets to tell you, I love you and I care about you. Yes. If you ever need me, come get me. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Jenkins, <laughs> you've been incredible. Thank I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you did, head over to my Instagram page at lovethatjourney.x.podcast and leave me a comment or a DM and let me know you listened. If you want to be on one of my episodes, just head over to my website and fill out the join the conversation form so we can set up a date and time. Until next week, remember, you are in control. You are worthy. You have every right to feel what you feel. This is your journey and your life. Embrace every part of it unapologetically and wholeheartedly. I love you. Talk to you next week. Bye.